Good afternoon. Hope you're good. Hope you can hear me. Hope the signal is stable. All the hopes in the world. After last week, we couldn't do this show. We had it planned. We were ready and waiting. Obi Hassan, our guest, our partner for Finance Fridays, was ready and waiting, and we couldn't get it through to you. So I'm sorry about that. I've been obviously having to face uproar, complaints all week, but don't worry. Here we are. We're back. The tech seems to be working. So this is where you need to tell me is it working? Can you hear me loud and clear? Is the mic okay? You know, it was a bit crackly yesterday, apparently. So, yeah, I've been trying to twiddle twiddle some knobs here and uh, get it all sorted. But it seems to be fairly stable, so that's good. But do let me know where you're tuning in from and whether or not you can hear loud and clear. Really looking forward to this show, especially because it's sort of uh, long-awaited now. Um, but it's been based on a lot of questions that we've been receiving from clinic owners, therapy business owners that are then interested in some of the understanding as to how they can sensibly grow their business with trying to minimize the risk of doing so, trying to not leave themselves vulnerable and exposed. And there's some principles here that are applicable across the board, you know, and also there's people that are appropriately attentive to MSK practice and to to healthcare generally to understand these principles, regardless of what sector or position you're in. I think that these things matter. I think that the the shrewd clinician, even if they're not necessarily directly in business, need to to recognize these things and also help them to have sympathy and empathy with those that are having to make those sorts of decisions because the the pressure can be really on. And uh, from some of the questions that you've been sending us, there there is a sense that some of this stuff does feel overwhelming it can really affect people's confidence and so the people that we know best to help with that are clarity transformations and obi hassan and, and he's our partner for these reasons is that he helps to simplify that and to demystify and also take some of the guesswork out of some of these complex variables so hopefully we can um, we can bring we can bring him in in a second and uh, hopefully understand what it might be that we can come up with together um, for solving these problems. So hopefully, in a couple of clicks, I can uh, I can bring in Obi and hide my little frame thing. And here he is, Obi, can you hear me? Hello, yes, I can. Hi, everybody. Good, yeah, okay. brilliant. Oh, thanks so much for joining me again, really appreciate it. As ever, it's been something that the questions have come in and. and on a theme, we thought we'd, we'd talk about business growth and, and also the way in which forecasting and, and management of data can can assist with that process. For those that haven't heard us on this before, then obviously we can provide links to so that you don't need to give a potted bio of who you are and what you do. You work with us on various different things as, as a partner on Physio Matters and Therapy Live, but also have been working with with me on some of the very things that this topic is about, you know, growth management and forecasting, etc. But to start with, one of the big themes that we've been asked about to cover is about how can we stop business growth, which is what everyone's been looking for. As soon as that starts happening, it can it can become overwhelming. So firstly, why is it that it can become overwhelming? What factors are in play that can sometimes make that happen? I think one of the main things uh, working with uh, a lot of businesses that, that, that start growing is if we if we haven't planned for the growth it's a great bonus to have but what it does bring is it brings an uncertainty about the, the, the rate at which growth happens and if the business hasn't prepared itself for it in terms of resources systems processes 
it gets a bit, you get into firefighting really quite quickly. It isn't just the amount of time that, let's say, an owner might need to take to start troubleshooting stuff. And I'll give some examples in a minute. For example, it could just be uh, things like having uh, additional clinic space, and it would be having well, staff is the, is the biggest issue, being able to recruit and manage the capacity and flex the staff that you've currently got, whether you should hire them or not, or whether you should use them as contractors, whether you train your existing staff, those all become factors that suddenly you have to begin to think about very, very quickly on your feet if you haven't planned it. And then, of course, what that does is because you begin to start, depending on how fast that growth is coming at you, sometimes you can get away with it and manage it. But if it's coming at you quite fast or there's a real lump, lump on it, you can get into some real firefighting stuff very very quickly which then means you're making very short-term decisions usually expensive um usually not really sustainable long term either you are over putting too much capacity in you're hiring people left right and center you're not quite in control of the quality you don't induct people properly but what all that ends up doing as well i mean that's if you like the operational aspects but the bit it really begins to hurt is the financial aspects at, at, at times that you do begin to lose control of your cash or your money or collecting uh, 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 or just managing the cash properly uh, and also how quickly you are spending it depending on how fast you're growing. So I think there's just a number of factors because you are reacting to the situation and it's a, in many cases it feels like a nice problem to have to start with. It very quickly begins to get into so, uh, a, a small business anyway that's growing fast into control issues about how you can manage that growth. I think that you've kind of given away one of the correctives to that problem which you're saying is is planning if you anticipate it if you acknowledge that that might emerge then obviously obviously that's a win before we go into that and what that might look like there are circumstances though and people will be listening and saying well that's all well and good but here i am i'm afraid i've made that mistake i haven't planned for it and and i'm now just at current capacity and i don't like the there is a reputational consequence to success in a way you know if you're having to turn customers down if your waiting list is is developing and growing and you're having to react rather than be proactive there are people that you know we don't want to be sort of saying which i imagine isn't the the, the point you're wanting to make is that you should have planned for it and it's tough shit now <laughs> you know you don't <laughs> need to do that i'm just thinking what, what therefore are in the moment if you've been put on your heels you are having to react what are the key factors then in play for us to try to get on top of this no, I think the best thing to do actually is if you if you are in that lucky position where you are growing fast and, and 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 it's just come at you, then the thing is to try and get hold of it. And the way to get hold of it is to actually start to to sort of and actually do forecasting. And that's why forecasting comes into this. And forecasting, I mean, another name for it would be really I would call good planning. Um, so if you actually have a tool, a model where you put all your thought processes down, put all the dynamics of the business into, for example. Let's say you had a model or something that is like a person sitting in front of you who just happens to be a model. And you say, right, I'm going to input stuff into this model about the operations I know about my business, the different scenarios I know, where my customers come from, what I charge them, uh, how many clinics I've got, my staff, what their skills are, what their capacity is, where I can get new stuff, my capacity, uh, my clinic space, and so forth, uh, what my costs are. And I could put bung that all in there rather than just the accounts, which give you that information retrospectively. But I put it into a model, and then I say to it, right, now tell me, with this growth coming through to me, what happens to all this income, cost, profits, 
when do I run out of capacity? What what and, and therefore at what time do I need to start planning for increasing it? What will that cost me? What should I be charging for my service if I continue charging what I do currently? What happens if I don't? What are my staff going to cost me if I train my existing staff or I increase their capacity or do a different deal with them to get them to do longer hours or whatever? Or is it worth me going out and actually getting contractors or hiring a new staff altogether? Uh, and what, what does that mean for my cost? Should I go and borrow money? And when do I get start? When do I get my money back? How do I break even from that growth if I invest money into it and so forth? If you could put that into a model or let's say a person that was sitting in front of you and then say, right, now tell me if I change this, change that and change the other, what happens over the next 12 months, six months, 12 months or longer so that I can start making the decisions about in all these variables, all these different moving around, what's the best way for me to manage them? What if this goes wrong? And what if that goes wrong? How do I best manipulate this to make sure I have got a sensible plan that I then say, this is how I'm going to grow and that's what I'm going to do. That's when I'm going to hire more staff. That's when I'm going to change my prices or do it differently or, or get an extra clinic. Um, then you have a forecast and a plan. The important thing about that is that that's the first thing about how you then get control of it as you are now to give you some forward proactive look out into the business. The really important bit to this then is it's not a one-off exercise. The whole idea about doing a forecast, it's a live thing that you roll every single month because what you then do is imagine this model is this person sitting in front of you and you say, right, so that was my plan. So at the end of the month, I say, well, how did you do? How did you do? And he says, well, actually, compared to what we thought, this happened, that happened, and that happened, or it was brilliant, everything went the way we went to. And then you begin to say, well, why, why, why did that happen? So it's a learning tool and it's something you adjust every single month that actually helps you get better and better. So it begins to take the guesswork, but actually it's not. Good planning is actually about making it more and more accurate. It's a learning, live learning tool as you go along. Practically. That's, that's interesting. And I think as well, it's useful for people to recognize that if you are caught out by that and you're on your heels and you're feeling like you need to react, it still ends up being not this similar information to if you could get ahead of it, which is that in that moment, even though it feels overwhelming, take a minute to pause and try to look forward to what might that, you know, what might that look like? There aren't immediate decisions need to be made uh, that, that aren't part of the analysis needs to always be what, what is to come. Um, out of interest, what, what I want to ask the, the audience that are tuning in live, I want to ask, what do you see as being the key factors affecting growth at the moment, either in your business or any that you're aware of? What do you think in the industry at the moment are the key variables that are limiting or even could be even facilitating growth um, in therapy business? So please do uh, let us know your thoughts on that and we can put any questions you might have as well to Obi as we go. Obi, I want to ask though, when, when um, creating original forecasting, so I know you're saying about it being a live process and something that keeps getting evaluated i agree with that but it's like there's almost this process of budgeting that people do initially and they kind of look at what that might be over whatever time frame should they be accounting for um should they be doing that as being almost like a utopian analysis or should they be doing it where they're anticipating unforeseen circumstance should they be taking 10 20 percent off the top of every figure they can come up with like what's yeah. your take on that 
exactly and, and i think that's exactly the point about forecasting so there is a, a what 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 a, a, a forecasting tool if you like a model allows you to do is what's called scenario planning but you know in simple terms that's exactly what it means what if my growth is 10% less or it begins to go down as something happens or it's 10% more than i thought it would be what is the impact of all the other variables in the in, in the organization what's the impact on my capacity what's the impact on my on, on, on the money and it allows you to play with that and manage risks um so that is a, a fundamental part of i think doing any forecast is to say whatever my best judgment or plan is things are going to be slightly different to that so what is my risk if it if it's 10% or 20% less um what happens at any point in time especially for a fast growing business that there comes a stage where if it's really growing very fast you're going to start burning cash very very quickly um and it's really important to know that if you if, you know if there's a drop off in business after you've sort of invested in it of 20 to 30, at what point does solvency become a problem that is one of the key you know one of the key things to understand or at least you know you have a very quick high level idea you know if it happens at 20% then you've already got that sort of in your head and you and it just becomes a very quick you know indicator to for you and and that's the advantage of it so you don't get caught out you already have a pretty good idea of where if you like the limits are of the or if you grow by 20% and at that point you have got to go and invest in a new clinic for which you might have to borrow money to do you know you've got to plan that in advance of you actually getting there or you know that's the time you need to take action and what action to take i mean some examples that we we in, in one of the finance clinics we actually ran through a scenario like this uh, uh, when we did the we used pelvic health as an example setting up a new pelvic health service but actually it applies to anything where if you're growing um you uh, how do you do a forecast and how what are the factors you take into account and when you do scenario planning uh in 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 knowing how 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 to make sure you safeguard yourself uh, as you grow or grow well from that um and i think we went through an, a worked example of 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 how we do that some of the things you could uh, you know another example here could be if you're looking to um exit the business and you decide that there is you have a plan over the next 12 24 36 months whatever it is and you want to grow the business to a certain size and its profits in a certain way for which you may need to invest a little bit of money or whatever you need to do uh, and and you want to be able to say well how do i do that over the next 12 to 24 months to exit the business to get your best valuation um you you need to show a certain trend before you exit it which would really help with the exit value of that business and again this sort of forecasting and then if you like the plan that allows you to then to follow that is very valuable. Mm. So that question I asked you guys is to um what do you feel are the key variables affecting growth or or influencing growth at the moment in therapy business number of you were mentioning recruitment um and that's something that we've had a question come in from from Steve who asks how can I confidently avoid over understaffing my business. So uh, over staffing would probably be a, a, a nice problem to have isn't it given that if you can't find any staff if you can't overstaff them i would say uh, you could sell some of their time to others <laughs> at a premium if you can get them that's a good way to make money become right. have a recruitment arm to your business but but no, the point about your question is how do you over uh, um uh, if, if like 
when when you shouldn't be taking stuff, when it's too early to take the staff on. Yeah, and I, th I don't think the issue is understanding what is your capacity at the moment. And again, one of the inputs. Oh, one of the things I want to do. So, in this forecasting model, you see, I I I, I always suggest to people never do your forecasting starting with pound numbers. For uh, the pound numbers are an output are an output of the input you put in there. Your input are always operational drivers. So it would be your number of staff, the hours that this they, they work for you. So that you, what you do is you work out a capacity model inside this forecast that drives the, the pound numbers that come out of it. Right. That capacity model, you get your demand coming through from your customers, your clients, and so forth, and the rate at which they come. You put your clinic space as a capacity into that model. You put the hours that, that, that you're open, for example. You put your staff and your contractors as a capacity input into that model. And when you've got that model set up to that base, you can see quite clearly how easy it is to start manipulating that. So the answer to your question would be the way if once you've got that model set up, when do you how do you make sure you don't overstaff or under well the understaffing problem would be quite clear you will see the demand coming through from your customers or what you've assumed is happening with clients what's assumed is happening and you can see that you can't satisfy it because you maxed out all the staff that you've currently got or the or or you know that I, i'm going to need to bring in more contractors or ask my contractors to uh, to buy more of their time or you could see that you may, you may have part-time staff already uh, available that you could say right Maybe you can get them to work more longer hours, and again plan that and anticipate that with them. Uh, what you know, whatever incentives um, you have to uh, for people to do that. Overstaffing similarly works. It's the other side of the coin. If you first you look at all these options before you get to the stage where all the existing staff are maxed out, and your model will tell you that depending on right. how much clients you're coming in. And you know, before you hit hundred percent, so you're at say ninety-five percent, you know you're going to start planning for actually getting more staff. The question then becomes, do I uh, uh, do I go for contractors or do I actually um, or do I get employees? And the answer to that would be, well, how much more how much more growth are you expecting and how fast is it coming at you? So you may start with contractors, then switch to uh, um, uh, full time employees or you may go for full time if you can find them. And again, your recruitment campaign needs to start a little bit ahead, doesn't it? before you hit the buffers because simply given the induction time and being able to find I think in, in our industry as well and there's been a few comments uh, since we said we were going to do this and that came in from last week was that people saying that in our industry it's difficult it's easy to recruit maybe someone for five hours distributed a week you know someone who's doing a bit of moonlighting in the private practice and then you've got someone it might be simple to get half time and beyond but there's this middle ground then between say five hours and 20 hours that is is difficult to recruit and so that's where i think that overstaffing comes in whereby if someone's got a need for someone clinical say 10 to 12 hours a week and they recognize that then they really struggle to to fulfill that or if they do they've got to patchwork it between three different four hours you know three lots of four hours rather than one lot of 12 hours and so it ends up being like a a more complex induction need and, and it's yeah. More distributed so i think that people end up then thinking well what what are the key variables that would help me to be confident and to at least try to de-risk the situation so that if i did text someone on at 20 hours when at the moment it's only 10 to 12 and and, and narrowly at that how do we make sure that that jump isn't one that really cripples us yeah so 
so so so so let, let so you know the input of this model that I've described. So let's say we've got your your staff and all the hours you've got in there, including your contractors. Now you say, actually, I'm gonna I can only get somebody for 20 hours, and I only need 10. Now, if I do that and put them in and give them 20 hours, of course you're gonna end up spending um, you, uh, your 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 utilization effectively of that is gonna be lower. So you know your your cost per pound of your profit is going to go down slightly um and it may be an investment that you feel you need to make but you could then catch up with that because um if if the demand is there and it begins to grow so for a for a period of time yes you are you have you have over capacity but if you can then catch up and use that in the future as your capacity grows you will earn it back through the profits that you're making the other thing you could look at is say well I've got to take this person for 20 hours. Now, can I reduce 10 hours somewhere else within what I've currently got to balance it out? Um, and that way, that would be your other way you could do it, um, depending on how you're using other staff. Right. So you so, so you can play with this to see what the best decision is for you. But yeah. I agree, you know, if staff are really hard to find, then you may sometimes feel the need for overcapacity, so long as you know that that growth is coming that will then put it to full capacity okay. or you adjust the time of your existing staff to balance it out no fair play that that makes that makes a lot of sense i think that the how much do you feel that the forecasting and planning aspects of looking forward and trying to anticipate and read that future and revise your best estimate you know you revising that probability how what percentage of the whole piece of this for business growth is it you know because it sounds like you're saying it's a core part. Is it the majority? Uh, if you mean how much time do you need to spend on it, is that well, what you both? Mean? I suppose I was actually meaning importance. You know, I was just thinking oh, when it comes yeah. to sort of business growth, and you think of the factors affecting business growth, and it seems like, although you know, appropriately different angles to it, but your analysis is such that if you get this bit right, if you if you forecast, reforecast, get the planning, and trying to read the future type stuff, and therefore use that data to then project what your growth needs are. It sounds like that, you know. Am I, am I thinking it's 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 eighty percent, ninety percent of the importance? Yeah. Or, or where yeah. where do you see? I, it? I, do you know? I, do, you would expect me to say this, wouldn't you? It's, I think it's hundred percent important. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that, actually, I, I I wouldn't look at this as an exercise I've got to do there at the end of the month. Right. I think it's an integral it's an integral mindset of a business person because you are constantly in your head. You're doing it anyway. All this does is allow you to bring it out. And let this thing talk back to you to say, so how did it go this month? Or what did you do? And you know, those 10 variables that you all got juggling in your head. Well, actually, these three happened that way, and four of those happened that way. And in the future, yes. if this happens, yeah. that happens. That's the point. It's a mindset. And actually, how much time does it take? Well, you know, forecast, there are good forecasting models out there. Yeah. And, and I can recommend plenty to people. There's some really good forecasting models. They're simple to use, uh, it's, it's touch of a button. Uh, and what, all you've got to do is, first of all, spend the time doing the business planning, right. which gives you the input into the model. But you've got to have to do that anyway. It actually challenges you and your thinking and your understanding as well. And the, once you have populated that, which, you know, could be a few hours work, once you've mm -hmm. populated that with the help of, uh, you, you know, an advisor or someone who knows what they're doing with you, then you've got the model. After that, all you've got to do is spend hardly any time change a few variables, hit the button, off you go. And then it's the output. It's what is it actually telling you to make business decisions 
that's the that's the advantage of it and that's why i say never start a forecast with pound numbers you always build the business plan the model first with the inputs all the variables you already got going in your head operationally and then just just look back at it every month and see where you are with it so but, am, I, yeah. am i right in thinking that because with that if you if you just started with the pound numbers and just attributing value straight away then you're going to miss the opportunity to make those things because they, they can be changeable so your cost you know your actual what you charge out your um, some of your bills will vary, um, and so if you were to bake in the numbers too early, then you, you know it's it's uh, some of those more changeable factors can't be accounted for as easily. Is that the reason why yeah. you make sure you uh, you know make it? Yeah. I mean, the fundamental point is that the numbers are not the drivers; the numbers are the output. The drivers drive the numbers. So you know, if I said operational activity, I've got a uh, hundred. I see a hundred people in my clinics in one week. But it's going to go up to 120. Um, now I know what that translates to a pound number, but the way it does it, it's 120 times my price gives me my pound number. Take my costs off, gives me my profit. So you let the activity that that increase from 100 to 120 drive the number and all the implications that go with the numbers. Um, so, uh, that, so, so that's what I mean. It's always the operational drivers, which is how you run your businesses anyway. Right. And then you then you manage the money that goes with it. Amy asks a question here, which tickles me, because I, I feel like sometimes I miss this as well. Is that what if I don't want to grow? I just feel <laughs> I feel like I'm obliged to. It's almost like she's, no. and I, we've heard that from other people where it's like they kind of they know that the demand is high, but they've just not necessarily got the the need, the want, the ambition to to grow either at this point in time or ever. Yes. They're just happy with their lot. What you know? What's the consolidation exercise, and how different is it to what we've been talking about? No, it's a great question. So, you, you know, um, um, there are times if you're happy with what you have got, I would then say it's about um, staying safe um, and about consolidating. I would then say for the business that you're making, um, is it the most profitable way that you can run the business? Is it the best, um, 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 uh, you know, is, is it the best way to deliver the business? Are you, are you, have you got the right utilization? Have you? Are you? Could you be making, I suppose, more profitability by delivering the same service? And how do you consolidate it? The other thing you could do is also, how do I make sure that I, if something, you know, if we have another lockdown situation, let's say as or anything particularly happens, let's say that can affect the business or business goes down, at what point do I need to think about safeguarding myself? You know, what's my solvency level? Have I got yeah. three months? What's my headroom? So I think it's about risk managing risk as well, just to make sure that and if you're happy with what you've got, I'm sure you just want to keep it for as long as it is. And knowing, or, or you may at some point decide, I've had enough now. I mean, I've done this for 25 years. I want to exit it. How do you maximize your exit value from the business you've got, uh, however profitable it may be? Uh, we, wouldn't want, we wouldn't want, because um, it, that's a good it's a good position to be in and it also i think it really speaks to the fact that yeah there shouldn't be this obligation to to turn the speed on the treadmill up like you know if you're feeling happy you're feeling happy like yeah cash out on it to some degree amy for a period of time but also then look at that exit i think as well um making sure that then you know it'd be gutting if complacency set in and therefore that was short-lived you know and therefore there's a regret of not anticipating things um either either downturns or opportunities to, to uptick uh, because some people think that that's what they want and then they end up being feeling flat or uh, you know they, they 
enjoyed the growth curve and then the consolidation process, they sort of look, fall out of love with it on. I've heard that story as well. But also, you know, I've heard it the other way, um, as you're describing potentially, Amy, is, you know, making sure you don't feel no, don't feel obliged. You remember why you're in it. You know, you, you're trying to create a, a circumstance, a work of which you enjoy. So, you know, please do enjoy it. And I'm pleased to hear that you might be in that situation. Be before we go, Obi, can you tell us a little bit about, because in the description, there's a link to Obi's next workshop, which is, Absolutely, you know, it's it's doing really well. I don't know if we saw it might even have sold out by now, but hopefully you just click onto the page and you can find out. But there should be some tickets available to your next workshop, which is on this very topic and then aspiring towards sort of some future educational materials for therapy business owners. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I think we're running that on the 27th, uh, uh, I think, of this month. Uh, and this will, it will be about, you know, um, how, what, what, what this workshop is about, it's a free workshop, but what, what it's about, it's about how do you do these forecasts? Everything we've talked about today, let's use an example. Let's actually go through how you create a forecast. And it will also cover things like, you know, if you're happy with your lot, for example, what do you do? Having a business plan is actually really, really uh, important. But it will go through the tools that you can use to do this forecast, the inputs that I've talked about, you know, to drive the model and the factors you need to consider, and then the output you get from a forecast like that and how to interpret that. So it'll give you some insight into that. Of course, it, it won't be the full training course because the training course will take more time uh, to do. And that what comes later, that, that actually shows you how to do all of it properly. But this gives you the insight into what are the inputs, what sort of output you get, how do you make those sort of decisions, and therefore, what's the benefit of doing these things in the first place, and mm. whether you want to grow or not, as the case may be. Absolutely. Yeah, well, if to check the description, wherever it is you're listening to this or watching this, for some reason, it's not letting me play around with the chat as I usually do, and so I was going to post the link in and do it as a pop-up, but I can't do it. There's an Eventbrite link to Obi's workshop uh, there that will be um, really popular and, and is already um, doing really well, and I'm not surprised because there's a massive need for that at the moment, and I think... It's one of them things that's a real shame if it's done badly. You know, it's a real shame. We can really stress people out. We hear from you all the time who are interacting with our clinical materials and stuff and just feeling like they don't know where to go to get some of that information in a way that is trustworthy and credible. And, and that's why we've decided to, to work with OB and, and Clarity is because it does really provide that, that clarity, which is no surprise. So I really do appreciate you and, and thank you for all you're doing for our, our side of the industry, really. Uh, Obi, it's been it's been fascinating to see and, and proving itself very popular. Get in touch with us or with Obi uh, to find out more about what, what we can do to help you, uh, especially with the, the more and more resources and opportunities emerging, including consultancy with Obi himself. So that'll do for now. I think that's us at 30 minutes. It flies by, doesn't it? But uh, thanks again for your time, mate. Thank you. We'll see you at the clinic. Yes, nice one. Speak to you soon. Thank you.